Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 10 of the Triathlete Beat Podcast. On today's episode, we welcome Seth Rose of Transition Performance to the show. If you want to strengthen and maximize your mental performance, especially in the realm of sports, then you're in for quite a treat with Seth today. Seth is a certified mental performance consultant under the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and has consulting experience with diverse athletes and athletic areas such as baseball, softball, golf, pole vaulting, rugby, soccer, basketball, martial arts, endurance athletes, so your swimmers, cyclists, runners, triathletes, and many more at both the club and intercollegiate levels. Seth is super passionate about his craft and is an endurance athlete himself. In his free time, Seth enjoys training and racing triathlon, hiking, mountain biking, enjoying the outdoors, and spending time with his fiance and two dogs. I'm super grateful that Seth and I connected online and were able to set up this podcast episode. Our chat is packed with some great stories and practical tips to help you train and prepare for your next triathlon or any athletic event in general. Be sure to check out Seth and his practice, Transition Performance, and give him a follow, show him some love at all of his social links below. So without further ado, here's my chat with Seth Rose. Seth Rose, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. Everything's good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, reaching out and making this happen. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, so just for the audience out there, can you please give a brief in- introduction on who you are and what it, what it is that you do? Yeah. So um, I'm from California and uh, currently... I run a company for mental performance consulting, where I specialize in the mental aspect of sport and performance. Um, I also am a part-time lecturer at one of the local universities here in Orange County, uh, where I teach the upper division sport and exercise psychology courses. So I dabble in the the teaching realm where I educate uh, the future practitioners of sports science and kinesiology, um, as well as... uh, helping the mental aspect of teams and athletes in this area, in the greater Los Angeles area as well. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like, like broad (laughs) of of who I am and what I do right now. Um, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So would you say like, if you were to like maybe a few words, like a sports, uh, mental performance coach, I think I saw that from your website. Is that a fair, uh, you know, Right. So the way that I explain it to people is, so let's just say you're training for your first race or your, um, or your, your, you've been training and racing and triathlon or, or half marathons and marathons for a long time. You do a lot of the physical work and a lot of the technical, and then sometimes the tactical work with strategy and such, um, figuring out transitions and, and starting and all that. But the fourth discipline of human performance is the mental side. And that's often overlooked. For sure. And so, and so what I do and some examples of what I do and who I work with are those that are looking to uh, increase their confidence when it comes to bike handling skills or uh, managing uh, open water swim anxiety issues. Um, so we do like uh, deep breathing, relaxation, meditation practices. Uh, which are called arousal regulation strategies. And we do that to manage and cope with stress. Right. Um, 
and so those are uh, just two quick little snippets of the examples of what I do with athletes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I work on the mental side. And so the, the, the range of athletes that I work with is, is quite vast. Um, right now I work with a division one women's golf program and also uh, a division one pole vault program. Um, so quite different from triathlon and endurance sport, yeah. but most of my, uh, athletes that I work with in my private practice are coming from an endurance background. Yeah, that's, that's really great because there's like so much content out there for, you know, tips and tricks and how to do this, how to do that. But very rarely would you, or at least for me that I see some stuff like focused on the mental, the mental aspect, because even for me, uh, when I started triathlon in 2013, the mental game is just, it's everything, even to now, you know, like those jitters before going on that open water swim, it's just huge. So um, really cool, uh, the stuff that you're doing. So is, is your private practice, is that transition performance? Correct. Yeah. So transition performance is my practice, my company, my platform, and then, and then I'm the one actually doing the work. Okay. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's take it back. Uh, let's take it back in time. I want yeah. to know how you got to where you are today. So were you always like athletic as a kid um, throughout elementary school, high school, were you into sports? What did you do sports? Uh, if any, were you always like, Oh, um, thinking about the mental aspect of things or how, <laughs> how, how was your journey getting to where you are now from, from when you first started out as a kid? Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a great like pivotal moment in my life that switched me from what I used to do and what I wanted to do to where I am today. Um, and it's weird. Like some people say it happens for a reason, which I, I truly believe so. Um, but I just unfortunately had to take it a, a little, uh, uh, a very low point in my life to get to this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit. Okay? Sure. sure. So I grew up always playing sports. I was very athletic growing up. Uh, my main sport of uh, focus was soccer. So I played about 19 years of soccer wow. from the age of like three to freshman year of college. Um, and throughout that, I also was a multi-sport athlete. So I, I ran track. Um, I played baseball growing up. I also played a lot of basketball. I stopped playing basketball when I stopped growing at 5'8". Uh, <laughs> and that was like junior year of high school or so. Um, but I've always been around basketball. My fiance played collegiate basketball. And we, oh, sweet. And you watch like NBA playoffs right now. That's my sport too, man. And my original yeah. sport is basketball. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love all sport. And so um, when I got to college, I was kind of lost. Didn't know what to do. Just the, the typical college experience, right? Um, and... I went in wanting to do psychology. I had an interest in it when I was in uh, my senior year of high school. And so I figured out that it was a major. And then I started doing my research, took the intro classes, and then really got into it. Mm -hmm. But then around like sophomore year, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with psychology. I knew I had an interest in, in the mind and that there was a lot going on with it and a lot that I could do with it. But I was trying to force myself into a career field of behavior analysis, which is a subfield of psychology, yeah. um, where it's like behavior change. Uh, I liked it. I was interested in it, but I really didn't truly have a passion for it. Okay. So I, I found myself late night on all these uh, online surveys on, 
what are the best psychology, like what's the psychology career for me? And every single time that I took these things, it always said sports psychology, Mm. which I never knew was a thing ever. And so this was like around freshman year of college, right? And so freshman year of college, I'm doing all this research and it keeps saying sports psychology. Then I look at the salary and the salary is like, there's no freaking way I'm going to be doing this. (laughs) Like, there's no way. Like in my mind, I'm like this, this kid going to college, getting an education. I wanted to be working a while coming out and, and I was looking at the wrong thing. I was looking at the, the money. And we know, uh, and especially for psychology, uh, we need to find something that is uh, a passion, something that we enjoy, and then something that we can make a little money on the side too, right? right. Um, and so all while doing this, um, I actually walked on to play collegiate soccer. And during that time training to make the squad, I ended up uh, tearing my ACL. Oh, and- nice. And it was, it was a lot more gruesome than your typical uh, ACL injury. So I had a full knee dislocation where my, where my leg bent from my knee and folded the opposite way. Uh, like a hyperextension? Like a hyperextension, but like full, all the way. Like it folded Gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so it was ACL, LCL, which is the, the lateral side, the outside. Yeah. Bicep femoris, which is a part of your hamstring muscle. I also had femoral nerve damage, um, which caused what uh, it's called foot drop. So your ankle literally drops because there's no, you don't have it. The nerve is so compressed that it can't actually contract the muscles down there. So I couldn't, I couldn't have my, I couldn't point my toes up towards my shin. Man. And, it, and it was like that for like two months after my injury. And that's one of those nerve damages is, is a different story, like with physical therapy and rehabilitation. But literally, my, my ankle was dropped down. My foot was dropped down. And after that, I was How did that happen? How did it even happen? Like in a Playing game? soccer. Just like, yeah, in a game. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just a freak fluke accident. I turned wrong, heel dug into the grass, and my forward momentum took uh, me over. Ugh. Yeah. And so that was 18 months of physical therapy. Um, I didn't jog until month nine. And at the time I was living on the third story of the dorms and the elevator was on the opposite side of this, of the dorms. Mm-hmm. And so I had a full knee, like a full lockout brace and I had the crutches and it was just a very low point in my life. And you hear about people that, that go through uh, injuries and there's always this, the, the stages of grief, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those stages of grief, I was, Far past denial, anger, all this stuff, but I, I definitely hit the depression pretty hard. Oh, man, I can imagine. Yeah. So uh, very open with, with athletes now that I work with on the, on the psychology of injury side is it, a lot of people go through that kind of low point in their life. Um, and I like to be open about it because it's, it's got me to where I am today. And so I really found my rehabilitation process really hard. Um, my identity was a soccer player and it was taken from me. Um, and then I was also lost where I was going with my college studies, not knowing what I was going to be doing with that. And so during this rehabilitation time, I was doing a lot of swimming. I grew up swimming. So swimming was always there. Um, obviously with soccer, there's a lot of running involved. Um, and then one of my, uh, friends that would always stay in my dorm room, uh, he lived off campus and he would always crash at our place. He owned a bike shop. Okay. Nice. So now, now you can see where this triathlon <laughs> yeah. 
starting to come. So, but during this rehabilitation time, um, I did a lot of like self um, exploration, if you will, on what's next. Who am I? What am I going to do? I took the surveys again. Sports (laughs) psychology kept coming up. Found out that there was a sports psych person on campus, dropped in to say hello, um, started asking them questions and uh, ended up getting into the kinesiology field, double majored in psych and kines. And so blended the, the two passions that I have together. And, and that's where sports psychology uh, really started to break ground in my life. Awesome, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, everything happens for a reason. And, and I, I do believe in that. And, and, you know, things like your injury really are like blessings in disguises sometimes, you know, <laughs> like I, on a similar, on a similar uh, incident, I was in high school. So um, in high school, you know, basketball was my sport too growing up. Uh, I was on the, it was my sophomore year and I was, mm-hmm. I was on the JV team. The season hadn't started yet for basketball and just messing around before practice. One day I broke my, uh, my ring finger on my right hand, my shooting hand. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, what is it like six to eight weeks? I was in a cast when they told me it was broken and I wouldn't play like, I mean, I was like 16, 17 years old. I cried in the doctor's office, man. It was like, <laughs> yeah. So it's I can't tough. imagine, like, for you, after playing so many years of soccer and then running into this, like, freak accident injury, how, you know, that must have been on, on the mind. But um, what, what was going through your mind when, when that happened? Or, like, when did you, did you, like, pass out and wake up? And what were, like, your first reactions when you realized what just happened to you? Um, yeah, so I can vividly recall like the instant that it happened, I heard a pop and that's a sign of ligament tear, ligament damage. But I didn't know that before. I thought it was my femur snapping mm-hmm. because I knew I landed wrong. And then I, I heard the pop and it, and it snapped. And then I just felt this like real, the body does crazy stuff, man. Like big trauma in the body. And immediately I just felt this like big warmth going down to my leg. Wow. And it was almost like my body was trying to numb the pain immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it knew that it had just been destroyed. <laughs> and so it just went and it just shot down all the way to my toes. Yeah. I couldn't feel my whole leg. And then they stopped the game and people came over and there was a couple of people like, Oh, did you hear a pop? And I'm like, yeah, I heard a pop. And they're like, ah, ACL, you're good. But <laughs> you're good. ACL. Pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But come to find out I had, I had to actually get, um, an ambulance ride to the hospital. Yeah. And then during that time, it was just agony and pain. And yeah. But the, the, the large thing that was missing in my process coming back into athletics and, and even just walking and jogging mm-hmm. was I didn't have anybody really to, to teach me about the psychological aspect of injury and rehabilitation. Um, I didn't know that there was anything like that. Um, I approached it from more of like a, a clinical point and that's what got me interested in sports psych. But the reason why I do what I do now and why I got into it is because a lot of athletes, even at the highest level of intercollegiate and sometimes professional sport, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't know how to get access to people, um, for this sort of help. Yeah. Um, whether it's clinical, which we see a lot of NBA athletes, 
coming open about mental health, like Kevin Love and, and all these different athletes saying that it's okay to reach out to people, but also on the performance enhancement side. Um, yeah, and yeah. so there's, there's two really different spectrums that we can look at when it comes to sports psych. So at what point, like in the injury process, were you healed already when you kind of switched majors or picked up another course of study and kind of went, you know, laser focused into that, that direction that led you to where you are now? Yeah, I would say it was probably around like the tail end of my rehabilitation, uh, like my PT sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, so during that time I was doing a lot of swimming, I actually had to take a swim class, um, at the very end of my physical therapy, uh, like sessions that I had. Okay. And so I got back in the pool and I'm like, man, I used to love this. Yeah. What was and that then, like? Like, was it like riding a bike where you just, I got this or was it unnatural? Like, Oh, my leg just kind of feels not what it I is. I mean, I've always been a pooler. I've never been a kicker. So it was just kind of like, put the pool buoy in and go. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love the pool buoy, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of where, both the studies and the triathlon really took like took ways was okay. kind of like the tail end of my physical therapy. So I know you said you did track growing up uh, mm -hmm. and swimming too. Mm -hmm. Your friend uh, had a bike bike shop. So um, what's been what was your experience? Did you do your first triathlon like after your injury, or did you, had you done some before? Yeah. So uh, I had a really close buddy of mine that was a swimmer and water polo athlete. And then ran for recreation. Uh, and then he was actually like a fixie guy. He loved <laughs> fixie bikes. And that was his form of transportation to and from college. He lived in town. Um, and he was probably riding like 100 miles a week just from commuting um, on a fixed gear. Okay. And I was like, I want to do a triathlon. I had this, you know, humans thrive on accomplishment. And looking back now, that's exactly what it was. I needed to feel like I had a sense of purpose and that I could actually accomplish something yeah. and, and be successful at something again. And also, uh, coming back to my kind of competitive fire nature that I had mm -hmm. that was always there burning and I needed to like do something. And yeah. so I started looking up different things. I'm like, you know what? Like, Hey Matt, let's do a triathlon. And he's like, are you crazy? <laughs> and this was like, I was starting to jog again okay. and I had been in the pool for a while. And so we signed up for a sprint triathlon uh, up in Sacramento, uh, the Golden Gate Sprint Triathlon. It's a pretty popular, uh, or Discovery Bay or something like that. Um, I forget what the name of it. Big triathlon, get there. It swims in the American River in Sac. And I, I borrowed my fiance and girlfriend at the time, her mom's Schwinn varsity from high school that she had. Like <laughs> 1972, bright yellow Schwinn varsity steel frame. There you go. Show up to triathlon or transition. Super heavy, next, right? <laughs> super heavy. Guy next to me goes, dude, is that a Schwinn varsity? I had one in high school. And he oh. gave me a big high five. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Probably had so, like a $5,000 bike or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so definitely, uh, definitely went into the triathlon with a little bit of training. I had done some, uh, some rides on this, on this bike did quite a bit of swimming and then just some casual runs here and there. Um, nothing crazy. Um, yeah. You know, family showed up. It was a big event because it was like Seth came back from this injury strong. He's nice. got this, uh, ended up, I came out of the water and I was, uh, I was surprised like 
there wasn't really much commotion going on. I just put my head down and swam. Like, oh, right. Come out of the water. And my dad was there and he was like, you're in fifth. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like running the transitions. I'm like, I need to, I need to make some time on this bike. Cause I'm going to be slow. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. So, get on the bike. Everybody's passing me. Everybody's passing me. <laughs> uh, and then I just hang on for the run. Uh, and I ended up podium in my age group and, and nice. getting like a top 20 finish in the sprint. Uh, so it was, it was a good experience. And, uh, and that's kind of like where triathlon is. Man, that, that's awesome. I love how it's actually very similar to how I, I got into triathlon too. I got into it uh, my last semester of college and one of my friends who would swim regularly, he would always try. I, I didn't really swim before college. Uh, like, before I got into triathlon, I took lessons when I was a kid, but um, it wasn't enough to say that I swim. So we're walking to class and he was like, hey, let's do a triathlon one day. And I was like, what is that? Um, so then he told me and then I was like, all right, well, maybe. And then I started swimming. He started running because I was trying to get him to run. Mm-hmm. He actually did my, I did my first uh, sprint try a few uh, months after that. It was a pool swim. But yeah, I mean, I had a single speed road bike that I commuted just kind of like with your friend and um, some of my friends out there, they always ask like, what kind of bike do you have? It's like, well, you don't need uh, an expensive bike. You can use your yeah. twin yeah. <laughs> or, um, you know, a single speed like me. So that's pretty awesome, man. It must have felt pretty good uh, when you finished. Would you say like that was a, a kind of a turning point with like your injury, you're, you're getting back at it, you're running um, and then you do this triathlon. Would you say it was kind of a turning point of like your, like you, like Seth on the comeback? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, like I said, um, if you look at like my life as a puzzle, soccer was the biggest piece of that puzzle, like taking up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And when that was ripped from me, um, there was just a big hole. And so now triathlon was a, I was able to start doing triathlon and really, uh, find that, that athlete identity again. Yeah. Um, and then also too, like I was never big in, into like lifting weights. Uh, I'm not, I didn't grow up playing football. Obviously I played soccer, so I like to run. Um, whereas people kind of loathe it. Um, I'd love to get in the, in the water and, and, and swim. A lot of the times I don't even do it without, without my watch. It's very yeah. liberating. Um, for those of you that, uh, hundred percent, Sometimes you don't need the Garmin. It's okay. Right. <laughs> Run naked or the, what it's, you call it. It's like. still, it still happened. It's okay. <laughs> Very meditative. Strava or it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say that was a big turning point as far as like my athlete identity. Um, and then also too, is a, it was a big turning point for me uh, psychologically for the, the sports psych side of things, because a lot of the, uh, the tools and strategies and techniques that are, grounded in, in sports psychology theory, I was able to kind of like guinea pig on myself almost, yeah. um, you know, for the past, it's been like eight years since that first race. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's kind of like all that you've learned and all that you study, you're kind of just living, um, everything that you've, uh, you know, all that you've been through, all that you've learned, it's just coming through you and, that's that's who you are today. So I love how that you're you're a triathlete as well, and yeah. um, you, you like you can really empathize with those who you coach. Um, so let's get into like 
triathlon tips, uh, specifically for, for those, uh, the beginners. And, and I, I, I classify beginner triathletes as a few categories. Um, one, one, it could be those who have never done a triathlon before or are, are interested in it. Uh, maybe you've done a couple and want to start shaving off a few seconds of your time. Um, or those who are simply just interested in swimming, biking, or running. So um, let's get into some some tips, um, mental tips, w- whatever tips that, that you need or that you would like to offer. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a good starting point would be nerves on the swim because that's something that I still deal with today. And it's, for me, at least the most nerve-wracking part of the triathlon. It's always like, if I can get past this swim, Murky Lake or in this rough choppy ocean then i'll be fine so so how would you uh you know go about helping someone out from that perspective yeah so you kind of mentioned what i was gonna um, start to talk about already is like when you're either starting your first triathlon or you've done a lot of swim biking and running but you've never really put everything together um or if you're getting for your first open water swim race um outside of the pool those nerves can, those nerves start to happen. Right. And so what's actually happening is, is your body is releasing a lot of stress hormones and these stress hormones are things like adrenaline and cortisol. And they're typically associated with what's called the stress response. And back in like, uh, you know, primitive era, we call this the fight or flight response. And so our body, our body naturally holds on to, uh, energy, glycogen, um, and, and energy and and ways. So that way, if, you know, a mountain lion comes out, we can fight it. Right. So if you're, if you're trekking along, it doesn't even matter if you're gassed or tired, your body's still always going to have kind of that, that reserve tank to fight if it needs to, to protect vital organs. Okay. So these, that's what those hormones are doing. They're trying to protect us. And so the first thing is, is letting people know that those butterflies that you feel in your stomach, the heart rate elevated that you get, the sweaty palms, the cotton mouth feeling, it's all normal responses in the body. Okay. Urge to urinate too. (laughs) (laughs) The stress response can do a lot of uh, bodily symptoms and physiological symptoms to the body. Um, But as soon as the mind starts to think that it's negative, it turns to anxiety. Mm. And so, a great example is, is Steph Curry. Steph Curry still says that he gets butterflies before big games. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, it's not about trying to get rid of the butterflies. It's about getting them in a flying formation. And so when you have those nerves and you have the symptoms going on, if you just tell yourself, hey, this is my body telling me that uh, what I'm about to do is very important or what I'm about to do is something that I care about a lot, right? Um, think about all the training that you've put in you've done the training because you care about the race that you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe you're doing it with a friend and you care about finishing this race with a friend or doing it for someone that you love a tribute to somebody or whatever have you. Right. Once you get to the front, to the start line or to the open water swim environment, those, those nerves are going to happen. But the first thing that you can tell yourself is this, this is normal and, gotcha. and try to and see what happens. Right. Most of the time that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> this is normal. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. This is normal. I'm okay. I'm okay. Right. <laughs> Stages of grief. Um, but really what it comes down to is what we call emotional regulation. So you're trying to manage these emotions, the, the self doubt, 
the worry, the fear, the anxiety, all these things can get categorized into the same thing. It's the mind taking over and really thinking that the body is, is freaking out and it's negative, right? We have a negative interpretation on it. And so if we have self-control with the use of emotional regulation tips and strategies, then the self-control, that's going to help us to have control of our body. That's going to have control of our, our skill, like our technical skill, like high elbow catch in the water, yeah. spinning circles rather than squares on the bike, um, leaning forward on the run. Uh, because if you're tense and all that, you're, the technique goes out the window. Right, and you right. increase the chance of injury. And then you have the, the spiral of self-doubt that you're not going to finish the race or that you're going to drown in the water. And we don't want that, right? And so we want self-control. And it starts with this, like managing the emotions that we have. Yeah. Does that make so, sense? Yeah, yeah. So like if, if you were, I mean, you mentioned like you just got to kind of go back and, and think like, oh, I've trained for this. This is something that's super important to me. That kind of brought me to when I did my very first uh, half Ironman, it was uh, uh, Ironman Florida, 70.3. Mm-hmm. And the night before, I only got like literally two hours of sleep, two, two and a half hours. I, I lived in Tampa, which, you know, I mean, because you said you, you've been in Bradenton before. Yep. Okay. So I woke up at like 2, 2.30 and drove to Haines City, Central Florida, which is like 45 minutes away to be there by like 3.30 or, you know, just... Anyways, at the starting line of the, the swim, it was in this lake. Um, I actually felt a little tired, like, oh, man, I'm kind of tired right now. But um, I thought to myself, like, I trained so much for this. Like, the way I feel right now, all this is I just got to trust in the training. Mm-hmm. So just, just like some mental thoughts, um, as simple as that. Uh, really helped me. Um, so like if you were on like on the, the starting line of some, a big race with somebody who's like super nervous and like freaking out, like what are some things that you would tell them for, you know, controlling their emotions? Cause it's super right. important. I think uh, for that person, I would hope that I could reach them before they get to the start line because it really truly starts before that start. It begins before it begins. And that's something that some of my mentors have told me. Um, and so we talk about this idea of, pre-preparation routines or mental routines or mental preparation. If you look at some of the best of the best athletes, they're doing a lot of physical preparation. In a sport like triathlon, you can't not do the physical preparation. But the physical preparation is going to be the number one thing that you can do to build confidence in your ability to perform or to walk up to the start and say, I'm confident that I can finish this race or I'm confident that I can finish this swim leg and come out not gassed, right? And so that's like the first step. After that, it's now we need to do the mental preparation. So like the night before, are you visualizing your race? Are you are you visualizing how you want the race to pan out? Are you also visualizing what if your goggles get knocked off in the water? What are you going to do? Are you going to flip over to your back? Are you going to try to put them back on? Or are you just going to swim with your head out of the water the whole time? Yeah, yeah. If you get a flat on the bike, are you visualizing how you're going to replace the flat? Have you done it before? So all those things start prior to the start line. Yeah. The mental preparation side also ties into like how you're actually physically preparing leading into that night. So getting your bags packed, everything. So that way you can decrease stress. So that way you're minimizing the stress levels 
because if they do end up coming on race day, you don't want that to pile on to each other. Like snowball effect. Yeah. Snowball effect. Right. So let's try to minimize the stress beforehand, getting your breakfast already made and put in the fridge, making the coffee and putting it in the fridge, um, making sure that you have all your bags packed, the gas tank in your car is topped off. So that way you don't have to get gas in the morning. It can be just a smooth sale. All the check boxes are already done. And because a lot of the times too, the stress levels increase when you get to transition. You're like, well, where are my goggles? Yeah. <laughs> or did I forget my nutrition? Having all that lined up before so that way when you get to the race, it's good. Next thing with the mental preparation is getting to the race venue early. I always recommend my athletes, whether I'm coaching athletes in triathlon or if I'm coaching athletes in triathlon on the mental side, I always tell them, get to the race early. I don't care if you have everything done and packed already. Get there as early as you can, because when you get there early, you're beating everybody else and you, can, you don't have to deal with the commotion of waiting in line and freaking out that you're not going to get a spot in transition. Yeah. Right. right. Or like transition closes in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And you see people running over with their wetsuit half on because they slid it on in the car and they're running with their bike and their bag half open trying to grab a spot in transition. Stress levels are super high. You're not going to, you're not going to perform well. Right. Get there early, um, you know, set up transition, try to make it as, as calm as possible. So that way you can familiar, familiarize yourself with the, with the area. If you've never been to the race location, do your research on the internet before, like a week before, not the night before, a week before. Yeah. If you can, get there and actually see the place. So that way you can kind of see what's going on. And then your, your visualization that you do is a little bit more vivid, mm-hmm. uh, which increases its effectiveness. Um, but then at the same time, you're, again, minimizing the stress. You know, where are the bathrooms? Where is... Uh, where is the swim exit? Uh, and where is the bike exit? Where am I going to come in? So that way you can kind of navigate your game plan, so to say, once you come out of the water, once you go off on the bike and come back, and once you uh, go off on the run, you know. Yeah, so that's, that part is, is huge. Well, yeah, th- those are super important. Like that was just like a, a great amount of golden tips right there that – I mean, some don't even learn that before their first race. Sometimes it takes a few races to, to realize that. Yeah. Um, me, me personally, I spend literally like, I don't know if it's a normal thing or not, but literally two or three hours like packing all my stuff, like my gear bag um, mm-hmm. the night before. And I just, like you're saying, kind of just run through everything as if like I, I'm actually in the race. So I... Mm-hmm. I you do that it helps a ton like just visualizing the race and this is the day before the race so come race day you can kind of be prepared for like you mentioned a flat tire yep. your goggles get knocked off but yep. but yeah i mean what i've been doing uh for the past few races is because i usually pack around 8 9 p.m which is after dinner it's pretty late i've been moving that to a, a little earlier in the evening which has helped a lot mm-hmm. um I like not, not all the races down here require you to check your bike in the, the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love those races that they mandate you to check your bike in because that's like a huge one less thing you have to worry about yeah. morning. So yeah, super key minimize the amount of snowballed stress that, uh, that, that can occur from week or the day before up into 
to uh, race morning. So that's really great stuff right there. Exactly. Um, so let, let's go back into like training. Like, do you have any, anything, any tips for how to keep the athletes like motivated during training? Maybe you get sick and you're going to have to take a couple of days off, but that's really kind of demoralizing because you don't want to, you can't tell a triathlete like don't, don't swim, bike, run, but you kind of yeah. have to. So, mm -hmm. so anything on that? Yeah, I think, um, a large piece of it is, is just acceptance, accepting the fact that you might be sick, right? Because as we know, triathletes, uh, are a different breed, right? So if they miss a workout, if they see the red on their training peaks, or if they, or if they're not getting the run in that they should, you know, if they go out and do it when they're sick, chances are you're going to make things worse, mm -hmm. right? There's a, there's like a, a fine line that we have to be careful of. Definitely. The motivation, the motivation piece though, um, is, is really, uh, interesting because at the end of the day, you have to be the one that motivates yourself. Yep. I can't motivate you. Jeremy. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is I can inspire you. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, let's just say you wake up in the morning and you, you're sore and tired. You don't feel like training. You know you should, but you don't, you don't want to get up and do it, right? You'd rather sit in bed and, and snuggle up. Snuggle up, yeah. <laughs> right? But the pool's calling. And so what I tell my athletes is, and this is something that I learned from one of my mentors who works with USA Swimming, uh, the open water swim division of USA Swimming. Awesome. Is, is this idea of motion over emotion. Ah, I like that. Like and that. so motion, the idea of doing a simple task or a complex task and emotion, the thoughts of you wanting to stay in bed, hitting this, the snooze button, saying five more minutes, we've all been there, but sometimes the best thing to do is just put yourself in action right. and do rather than think. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're lacking motivation, it's going to happen. And if nobody's there to inspire you, then you need to just do. And so that's a mantra that one can tell themselves or a mindset that they can live by is motion over emotion on the days that they don't feel like it. Because hmm. reality is, is you don't have to feel good to perform well or to train well. There's going to be good days and bad days, but it's about consistency in the sport of triathlon, right? Right. Yeah. Consistency, building that habit, just do it get up and the more you, you know, choose motion at 5am in the morning over snuggling in your covers. Uh, yeah. and, and also most of the time, like you always feel better, like after the workout, right? Like yeah. it's just, Oh man, I, I'm so glad I did this. Although one hour ago, I didn't really feel like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's another thing too, that people could utilize is just remembering what happens after the fact, like, Oh, I get to enjoy that great smoothie and cup of coffee and spend time with my family or watch the news. Yeah. Just the, the little kind of like rewards, the gratification that you get after that. And also there's a ton of evidence supporting exercise and kickstarting the day right. and increasing positive emotions and, uh, and decreasing stress. Um, and overall well-being and health, right? So yeah. So is that like so morning workouts? Uh, is that something that you do, or is that something that you recommend to the those who you coach 
over working out, say, in the evenings? Um, or does it really depend on the person and the person's schedule? Yeah, my, my philosophy is, is fitting in the workouts that are appropriate for your life. Um, it's very easy for a triathlete to get engulfed and kind of addicted almost to the sport and to the exercise. Um, and that goes back with the athlete who might be sick and they're saying they have to still go run. Um, when reality you don't. Um, and so I always tell my athletes like work out when it fits, um, because you have to have priorities in your life. And if you prioritize triathlon over everything else and something's wrong, you can prioritize triathlon and have it on like the top, top three. Um, but if say, you know, husband or wife want to go to family occasion and you have, and you, you can't get a workout in, like, don't stress, like your, your success is not going to be determined by one workout that you miss. Um, but as far as the morning and evenings go, it's just where it fits. Definitely. It fits in the schedule. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, on that point of, uh, kind of priorities, like, I haven't done as many triathlons in the past two years as I have uh, back when I lived in Tampa. Cause when I lived in Tampa, I was living by myself. Um, my whole family is in South Florida. So right. I had a lot of time to just like, just train and go out there. Um, mm-hmm. Great. Um, but here now um, my commute to work is a lot longer. I spend a lot more time with, with family and my girlfriend during the week. So not as much time in training and like, that's okay. Like that's, that's totally fine because you know, those, those people in my life that are nearest and dearest to me, mm-hmm. um, choosing them over training is, is like totally fine too, you know? So right. if you're out there and, you know, really giving yourself a hard time with, you know, I'm going to miss this workout, like, because you're hanging out where you're doing something else that you, you may love. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And I think people will probably, uh, beat themselves more up and, and you'll see more negative uh, like hindrances to your performance because you feel so bad. So now you're in a negative mood mm. and then you're going to, you're going to train the next day and you're trying to do that extra stuff. Yeah. Like I used to be coached by Brad Williams, who's 2016 or 15 rookie of the year, USAT professional triathlete. He, he owns his own company with Scott D. Phillips and it's called keep it simple. Okay. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep, keep it simple. simple. <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really like the, the philosophy I go about with my training is making things simple. Uh, you don't got to do crazy, crazy sets where you can't even read the swim workout. You can do simple things. You can change it up. Um, but you got to prioritize for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And speaking about prioritizing, this is something that goes back to like the, the motivation that motion over emotion. So I actually just finished uh, a hundred day run challenge oh, where wow. I ran where I ran every single day for hundred days. Oh, uh, cool. Awesome. Congrats. So yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't like crazy super. I mean, I was probably running like 20 miles a week. It wasn't nothing any, any like elaborate, but running every day, like takes a toll on the body and there's a lot more that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But the, the idea of prioritizing, like there was some days where I had those events with families or I had to travel and get on a plane at 7 a.m. at LAX and I had to leave my house at 5 a.m. Um, and if I was prioritizing properly, who am I to say I'm here to be the mental performance consultant and I'm going to do a 100-day run challenge and I can't even hold up to it. So there was days where I was very, very much tested. 
Right. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and I found myself, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, recommend this, but I found myself sometimes at like 3am doing my, <laughs> doing my run. So that way I can still go spend time with my family. But, um, it definitely helps help me solidify that mantra of, or that mindset of motion over emotion. So, so why did you decide to do this in the first place? Was it just, to kind of, <laughs> you know, how, how you could handle doing something for so long? I told you I'm a guinea pig, man. I'm a guinea pig <laughs> for myself uh, when it comes to the mental side. Yeah. Uh, I was training for the Avalon uh, 50K where um, I had this, this thought or this idea that I wanted to do it, an ultra marathon. Um, mm. And this was back in October of last year. The race was set to be at the end of January. And I did a track workout and my knee, like I said, very gruesome injury back in the past, but it's always giving me problems. Um, and so I get these flare ups every once in a while cause I have no cartilage. Uh, and I did a track workout and the next day my knee was swollen. I was like, ah, dang it. Mm. Well, it stayed swollen consistently for 15 days. And finally the swelling went down. I took like two months off of running. And then finally I was like, okay, I need to get back in shape. I want to do something to challenge myself physically and mentally. Um, and I keep telling my athletes, you know, to, to sometimes when you wake up, you don't feel like training to just do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I did that, you know, it wasn't anything crazy on days that I was really sore and tired. I just did the minimum that I sought out to do. And which was, uh, two kilometers, which is like a mile and a quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I did that, then I still got my day in. So, and knee was good. All good. Uh, yeah, knees, knees, knees back to normal. Still cartilage isn't there, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel uh, when you completed it? How, how does it? Uh, how does it feel to do that for something so long? Yeah, it was good. You know, it's kind of just like when you finish a triathlon. Yeah, um, you get that sense of like accomplishment and and joy and um, knowing that you were able to kind of push through and, and do something like that. Um, and so there's always going to be a fork in the road when it comes to things in life and in sport and in triathlon and this fork, you can either go left, which is the easy way out, or you can go right and hit it head on and build that quote mental toughness or build the resiliency or, um, push through adversity, whatever you want to call it. The more and more times that you take a, a right and go through that, uh, the easier it'll be next time that you're faced with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Seeking uh, that discomfort and, and new challenges really opens up things that, you know, we never really thought we were capable of before. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that. Yeah. So um, let's talk a bit about uh, transition performance. If okay. Well, yeah. So uh, I know I, I looked at your website, you have a, a book out there and some services. So what, what does uh, transition performance have to offer? Yeah. So like I had mentioned before, I have a couple of programs and teams that I work with. So on some of these teams, I do offer like team uh, integration and, and mental performance consulting where I'm hired on as like the, the team mental coach, so to say. Um, in addition to that, I do the individual services via Zoom like we're doing right now or Skype or FaceTime is a great technology as well. Um, and then also in-person uh, sessions in the LA and Orange County area where we're working on some of these mental tips like we had talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot more that we didn't cover. So if you're interested, you can feel free to reach out and, and we can talk about it. But um, 
I do talks for campus colleges and uh, athletic departments. And then also um, I do have a uh, pave the way book, which is like a workbook style um, kind of like hands-on interactive uh, material for you to get a great introduction to what we call mental conditioning. So that way you can integrate it into your everyday training where maybe on rest day um, or on an easy day, you can spend time and, and complete a chapter of this book where there's exercises for you um, and great resources to, um, to utilize. Awesome, man. Very, very cool. Uh, all right. So got to wrap this up in a bit. Um, yeah. Do you have any last words of wisdom, pieces of advice, anything you want to tell the audience out there? Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll close it up with kind of like a few more golden nuggets of sports sites. Please. You will. Um, and so we talked a little bit about like the, the idea of mantras and self-talk, which can be very powerful. So words have power and when you're feeling low or you don't have confidence or you're about to start that open water swim, you've never done it before. Um, there's a lot of things that you can say to yourself with conviction that will help you with that. Um, out on the course, if at all costs, smile. Mm. There's a, a large body of, of evidence supporting uh, facial expressions and smiling with positive emotions. And when, when the mind has positive emotions, we see an increase in performance. And so when you're out there, just think about having fun. Think about why, why are you even doing this in the first place, yeah. right? Why are we putting ourselves through this? Why are we trying to be mediocre in three separate sports? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own passion and purpose. And so when you know why you do what you do, you have more power to do so. So when you're lacking motivation or when you are out on course and there's those nerves, um, have fun, smile, remember why you're doing it. Um, there's always going to be faster people. There's always going to be people with better bikes than you. Uh, so it's about self-competition, not competition. Yeah, that's, you got to start with why. That why is super important, right? Yeah. Even even if it's as much as high fiving like uh, uh someone in the in the crowd, like I love doing that. Mm -hmm. Just like yeah, someone with the funny sign, like oh nice sign, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. The environment of triathlon and the community that we that we all create it helps create that positive emotion. But you're gonna go through times where you feel like oh, man, whether you're behind on a on a specific time split that you wanted, you just gotta remember like some days they're gonna happen. And we talk about that acceptance piece, right? You got to accept it and move on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Hey, uh, really good stuff, Seth. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So much for being here. Um, yeah, it's been great. Like learning about you, um, how, where you from, what you had to go through to get to where you are today. Great, actionable, and practical tips for uh, the audience out there. And that's one that I've, I've never heard before. I really like a lot. It's just smile if you're out there. Yep. Smile. Yep. If at all costs, just smile. <laughs> smile. Um, so where can, where can everyone find you? Uh, what, what's your social media, your website? Um, any events to look out for? Do you just uh, work in the, in the California area where you're at or do you go remotely? Yeah, so I do remote. Um, and I travel if, if the funds are there, um, most recently I traveled out to Vermont, did a talk out there. Um, and like I said, with the use of technology, FaceTime, 
it's it's great um, to connect with people all over the nation. Um, you can find me at transitionperformance.org. Um, my Facebook and Instagram handles are just Transition Performance. You can find me there. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, it's trans- Transition Perf. Um, there was no more characters. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so pretty big on social media. If you want to reach out and shoot me an email, it's transitionyourperformance at gmail.com. Um, and I'm pretty, uh, pretty open to answer any questions that your audience has. Um, and then on my website, you'll find a, a wide variety of, of resources such as my blog and, um, video posts and, and things like that. Awesome. Really great stuff. Uh, everyone go check out Seth Rose of Transition Performance. Uh, check out his website, his Instagram, all that good stuff. He has some really great content out there. Um, Seth, thank you once again for yeah. being here. Thank you. It was it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> all right, man. Take care. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.